passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You're listening to I Hate the Fins podcast. We're part of the Finsider Radio Podcast Network thing. I'm with my usual co-host, Zach. My name is Keith. Uh, we do this show weekly. We weren't on last week. We had some commitments come up. We're doing this show this week in spite of the fact that <clears throat> Zach's dying. So be thankful he's here. I'm thankful he's here. Uh, we've got some stuff to discuss. We Because we weren't on last week, we, we didn't even get to talk about the, the Kyler Murray development, which happened, I think, uh, a week ago, Monday. So it's been mock draft bedlam since then. It's almost like that announcement that he's going to focus on football, he's not going to do the Oakland A's thing, really set the the draft world on its ear. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, Zach did another mock because he can't help himself because when he's sick, he's weak. He doesn't know what this, he's doing. This is the first one of the year, so I beg your pardon, sir. <laughs> How dare you talk to me like that on this show. But the important thing is the picks you just mentioned when we're off air, I totally agree with. So I think that's something we need to discuss. Uh, I don't, I mean, we talked about, oh, you know what? We will discuss the whole, like, should we tank or not? I mean, there's, I, 
I think there's a clear cut answer there. There seems to be a bit of a conflict going on on the Twitters and the YouTubes about whether this team should just, you know, target maximum suck in 2019. So we'll discuss that a little bit. Uh, usually this would be the time on my old show when I was doing Finsider Radio where I'd say, yeah, go ahead and call in. We don't have that feature now. We're on a different platform, but it sounds a lot better and we're not doing the whole blog talk radio. So these are the breaks. I miss my uh, blog talk radio girlfriend though. Ah, yeah. She sounds hot. (laughs) Uh, It sounds a bit, I don't know. I don't want to even get into that. Um, The important thing is, I think this is episode 16. And it's tough because we've skipped a couple of weeks. We've had stuff come up. Pretty sure it's episode 16. It might be 15. It's one of the, I I don't want to hedge my bet on that one. But anyway, so Kyler Murray officially in. Baseball totally screws the the A's. They're not going to give him a compensatory pick, even though they dropped number nine overall on Kyler Murray uh, last June. So it kind of as an aside, I wonder if that's baseball kind of drawing its place in the sand there and saying we're not going to be held hostage here by athletes who might go play other sports. So if you're going to draft someone who has outside interest, think about it twice. You do it in the first round. You do that because normally, I mean, baseball is a little bit choosy, but you've seen seen them offer up compensatory picks to guys who didn't sign with teams. It happened number one overall a couple of years ago. I think that dude's name is Brady Aiken. Um, he ended up getting drafted by Houston. Didn't I think it was Houston? No, ah, San Diego, one of the two. And he totally off tonight, but uh, ended up not playing for them. And so they got a comp pick for it. Oakland's not getting a comp pick. Kyler Murray's going to play in the NFL. And so people are just, you know, if you're you're talking about Dolphins fans on Twitter, they're buzzing about it. You're talking about anyone really in need of a quarterback. They're buzzing about it because, I mean, let's be honest, all measurables aside, Kyler Murray is a special talent. He's a lot of fun to watch. He does a lot of amazing things. And there's a ton of room for him to grow, too. So we discussed a few things off here. We'll get to all these topics. But, Zach, if you're a team in the top 10, and this is you drafting, is there any hesitation? And you need a quarterback. Is there any hesitation for you to take Kyler Murray? Is there anything giving you pause, or are you pushing the button? I think if there's hesitation on my end, it's not because of what Kyler Murray is or can or cannot do. It's because I, if I don't believe that my offense can be tuned around him, um, or I'm not willing to tune my offense around a quarterback, um, you know, if I'm an old fuddy-duddy coach, um, then I think that's the only reason you don't pull the trigger. Um, you know, he, I think he has the best arm in this class, um, plus the ability that he gives you with this, his legs. Um, I mean, it, uh, it's it's an easy call in my opinion if you're basing it off of talent. Um, if you want to play the the size height kind of game, fine, whatever. I can I can understand that to a point. Um, but I think you got to commit like you kind of saw the Ravens do last year with Lamar Jackson. Um, I think you need to commit to building your offense to how he's tuned. I'm not worried about the height. 
I mean, I say that, I mean, we don't have an official measurement yet. A lot of people think it's going to be just under 5'10", right around there. I can live with that. You know, Russell Wilson's, what, just under 5'11". I understand that at, at that size, every inch <laughs> matters. Um, so I don't have a problem with that, though. I'm not worried about that. I do worry about the weight. I And the thing is, and I've seen this argument a lot on on Twitter, and let me preface this whole um, discussion that I'm about to get into with saying that I love Kyler Murray and I would draft him. I think he's the most impressive prospect overall in this draft, you know, even over like a guy like Quinnen Williams, who is just an unreal talent in terms of what he does. I love Kyler Murray, but all I've seen from people is that, Oh, he, he is, he has an uncanny ability to avoid contact. You know, he obviously we've seen in, Time and time again, he is really good at sliding. He knows when to get down, but he has an uncanny ability to avoid contact. And that's great. But at the where he's going at the next level, the next step, the grand stage here, it's only going to take one time to pretty much eat, you know, if all intents and purposes, potentially erase him. And I always come back to Robert Griffin in his rookie year. He's just, you know, gangbusters. I think their first game of the year was in New Orleans, and they just, it was just offense bonanza from Washington. Robert Griffin looked great. Washington had obviously given up an an absolute, you know, metric ton of draft capital to get him. And it looked like early on that that was going to pay off. You know, they were running away with the NFC East at that point. And then I want to say it's either in November or December that year. They're playing Baltimore, I think. And he just makes one move where he's trying to get outside the pocket, trying to make something happen, and he gets smashed. And that's pretty much it. All for all intents and purposes. You know, sad to say, but that's the last where you you see the Robert Griffin that everyone thought up to that point you were getting. Because, I mean, after that, you know, like he, he was hobbled, um, uh, you know, going into that playoff game where I think they played Seattle, and he got... He should have been out of the game, and then he had that that kind of gruesome shot when his leg banged the ground and everything, and then just it just never got back to neutral at that point. I'm not saying that will happen with Kyler Murray, but when you don't have the weight on you, when you don't have the mass, it is more likely to happen. So I think that's something you have to be concerned about. I don't think it's wrong to look at him and say, "Is this guy going to be able to take NFL level abuse?" I mean, you hear that from all quarterback prospects. You hear that from guys who are like 6'3", 230 pounds. You know, is he going to be able to, to hold up and take, a, take the punishment that the, um, the quarterback position um, endures, you know? So I don't know. I hope so. I hope he has a really long career because I love watching him play. I think that he would be a, an amazing addition to the NFL, be an amazing dish, addition to the Dolphins. If they if they were fortunate enough to have a chance to get him, I do believe if he's there, they will draft him. That's my way of segueing Zach into you want to tell people like first five picks of your of your mock, your fever dream mock that you made. Before before you hit that though, um, hitting on your your Kyler Murray point, I always think it's interesting though. Um, I'll agree his his build is definitely slight, um, so it definitely worries you a little bit. Um, but I find it interesting that Ryan Finley and um, even Daniel Jones, people have said, like, you know, he looks a little frail for his size and build and stuff like that. 
And like, just because they don't run the ball, you don't hear that narrative of like, he might get hurt. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Um, which, which there's no difference if, if they have thin lower halves and a guy comes in and hits your lower body funny, like you could have the same issue. I mean, yeah. you, you could be rolling out of the pocket, you know, step on a weird part of turf and your knee's shot. Um, you know, so um, I think that's something interesting to, to kind of keep an eye on moving along the lines here. Um, and then another conversation that we've had quarterback wise is that, you know, people people kind of think Miami might be in the mode of going twenty twenty quarterback, um, which at the moment looks like the better potentially way to go. Um, but no draft class is ever guarantees with quarterback. But the other way to look at taking any quarterback this year, you know, um, Murray, Locke, Haskins, Hell, Daniel Jones, whatever, um, is that if I mean Miami's going to play them out the gate, who else are they going to play? Um, if they draft one of those guys, but then in two years, if you draft one of those guys and it, it ain't working out in two years, you know, you can kind of eyeball that. Do we make a, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence push? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something to think about too. Uh, if you're playing the, the real long game there. Um, but so, so for the mock, I haven't even finished it. I, I started it recently, um, while I've been dying here. Um, and so the pick off the top that I went with, I, I, I wanted to play with the, the Kyler Murray to the Cardinals pick. Um, so Kyler Murray goes one to the Cardinals. And so from there, uh, I have Oakland bumping up, uh, to San Francisco's pick to take Nick Bosa. Um, you know, I think they really regret dealing Khalil Mack. So they're going to feel the need to get a new Khalil Mack. Um, the Jets at three, I have them sitting tight and taking Josh Allen, I've told my Jets buddy already, if they don't take Josh Allen, like, you got to pack it up. Like, they haven't had an edge rusher since Calvin Pace, which is (laughs) painful. Um, San Francisco moves into four, takes Quinn and Williams, just take the best guy there. Um, That's a pretty nice defensive front there. Um, And then the interesting pick comes at five, where I have Washington bumping all the way up to five to take Haskins. Um, I think... With where Alex Smith is, unless they do something stupid and trade for a Case Keenum, Ryan Tannehill, um, Andy Dalton, I think they're going to pee their pants and go crazy to get a quarterback, um, regardless of who it is. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I'm just going to throw out some some questions here, just based, because I mean, I think that that's a fascinating top five. I think it's it's, there's obvious potential for it. So if Miami's thinking quarterback, not this draft, but suppose like they're at, they're at 13 and Drew Locke's there, you think there's any way they take him? Yeah, I think he's definitely in play. Um, you know, with the value on quarterback, if, if, Drew Locke, if Drew Locke is on their board and he has a first round grade um, and he magically happens to be there. Broncos don't end up taking him to to groom him under Flacco. Um, you know, nobody else bumps up to grab him. And, you know, if for some reason, you know, Christian Wilkins, a bunch of the defensive interiors, uh, the edge guys that they really like a lot are gone. I I see no problem with them saying, again, hey, let's pull the trigger. Um, he needs some work. He needs some development. Come in. We're in a a, a rebuilding year, maybe not a tanking year. Um, let him make his mistakes now. 
We'll work on him, learn him next offseason, get his second year under his feet, and then we'll we'll start talking 2021. So I was waiting for, for the um the comparison that I saw come up recently. Cause I always thought that um Drew Locke kind of looked like Jay Cutler when Cutler was at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Just in I mean, yeah. everything from from how he his helmet with the I think like I think he's got a visor on. Um, yep. From that look to the way he releases the ball and the arm strength, I don't know if his arm is quite Jay Cutler level because I mean the one that's one thing Smoking Jay has is balls to the wall arm strength. But I heard that a couple of weeks ago. Someone was like, "Yeah, he looks a little bit like Jay Cutler." And I was like, "Ah, there it is." So I I, I don't know. And then he's he's kind of got like the emo haircut thing going on too at times. So which was like early on this. I mean, I remember everyone t- talking about Jay Cutler's emo haircut, especially when he came to Chicago. Yeah, I, People wouldn't shut up about that. I mean, I think I think for Drew Locke, I think his not so good comp is probably Jay Cutler. But I think the realistic good comp for him is probably Matt Stafford. Um, oh yeah, you know Matt Stafford. Matt, Matt Stafford and him have big arms, maybe not the biggest, um, but you'll definitely get classified in that that upper tier of arm. Um, but they have they they both came out with some footwork and kind of accuracy issues. Um, Matt Stafford still has moments, you know, that Jets game to start off the last year. Um, there are times where Matt Stafford will Matt Stafford, um, but he's he's done a, a really nice job for a long time for that Detroit team. Um, so I think that's probably what you're looking for a realistic scenario out of Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, he's a gunslinger and he looks the part. And I mean, and that's cool. I mean, because Matthew Stafford coming out of Georgia was a gunslinger, too. Still is, you know, I mean, almost to a fault at times. You think about when Matthew Stafford plays and he's always trying to adjust the arm angle, you know, at his release point and everything. And sometimes it's like you didn't have to throw that sidearm. You know, there. I mean, there are times where that's necessary to do, and then you'll see him doing. You're like, Nah, dude, you're fine. You didn't have to do that. We do, do you want to know who um, Mel Kiper comped um, Kyler Murray to? Which I actually really liked. It's it's a non football comp. Okay. Do you want to try to guess it? It's a basketball one. <sighs> like a current player? No, older player. Older player. How old? Popular older player. We're talking, uh, when did he play? I want to say he played late 80s into the very wee early 2000s, if I remember correctly. Ooh. You sure late 80s? Very late 80s. Very late 80s. Point guard? Yes. Okay. Let me think about this for a second. Got it. Got to be a distributor. Got to. I was thinking about like all like the the great I mean it's not Isaiah Thomas because he's early 80s. No. Okay, no. just just checking. Um because I could see that because Isaiah was even shorter than people people give him credit for. Um a hint for you is that he played he played for Washington when they were still technically the bullets is when they drafted him. The ultimate hint was he was in Space Jam. Oh man, I haven't seen Space Jam since since it was in theaters. Actually, well, here, here's a plug. It's on Hulu right now, so everybody can go back and watch that classic. Which I have. That's important to know. Note there, Muggsy Bogues is in that movie, isn't he? It is. It's Muggsy Bogues. Okay, 
I had to think about that one for that's that's such a crazy comp though because Muggsy's five three. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, Kyler Murray's undersized. But the, but, it's still the extreme, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh man, I mean, I guess I get it. Muggsy. Um, wow, that's an interesting comp, and I love Muggsy. I think um, you're reaching into a uh, a generation mine where everyone had Charlotte Hornets starter jackets. So and yes. and everyone thought Muggsy was cool because they were already as tall as him. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and we'll <laughs> always have that '93 uh, playoffs when they beat Boston in the first round, and then everyone wanted them to beat the Knicks, and I think they lost in like five. Anyway, that's interesting. Um, God, it's, that's an extreme example, right? So, well, I mean, I don't know. I I love Kyler Murray. Um, I do think he's, I do think he's going to go first overall though. So I think that, um, kind of like, la- I mean, it's a little different last year cause you had several quarterbacks vying for that spot, but I think that, um, I don't know. You got Cliff Kingsbury in there now. I think it's more interesting that you don't have San Francisco taking uh Nick Bosa. You think, you think they're going to back out of that? It's it's really tough because like they really need Josh Allen more than they need Nick Bosa, and so the trade that I made was that to move even just two spots up for Oakland. Oakland gives up the four pick, gives up their last first in the first round, and they get um, the Forty ers second round pick. Um, so it's a really weird flip floppy trade. Um, but so I think it's, I think it's just tough because I I don't think Nick Bosa necessarily makes a whole lot of sense in what they're trying to run there. Mm. And like, if they couldn't get Solomon Thomas to do what they needed to do in that role, I don't know if they'll get Nick Bosa to do it. I think he might get, you know, they'd have to play like a weird three front where he's a five tech and like you're going to have to have the, the nose shade his way. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think it makes sense. It's the, it'd be the right pick. It's the better player. Um, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, if they can get some, some benefit out of it and they still walk away with a pretty damn good player at four. Um, and who knows what the jets are going to do. Um, they'll probably try to find another five tech defensive end. Um, cause that's all they draft. And then they, they they look great their rookie year. They stink for two or three more years, and they walk away from the Jets. Um, it's like the Jets motto. <laughs> uh, that has happened. Remember when I mean, Muhammad Wilkerson was a world beater coming out? Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson for sure. I mean, like that was looking like a good draft. I mean, because Sheldon Richardson for them was what twenty thirteen. I think they they drafted him with the pick they yep. got for Darrell Revis. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars dot com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. That's yep. what I thought. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, even Leo, Leo, there were times last year where I forgot... Leo Williams even existed. I think, um, yeah, and that was so weird because he was considered outside of the the two quarterbacks in that draft. He was considered like the top guy, and I think he fell to what sixth yeah. overall. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yep. Chicago wanted him so bad at seven, and then they ended up taking Kevin White. <clears throat> that didn't work out for them. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think? You think this this team should tank? Just kind of stay the course because I mean you got a new coaching staff in there. I mean you got some for some reason people are really into the idea of trading uh, Xavier Howard, uh, their best asset right now. So I don't I don't yeah. quite understand where that's coming from. I think like they have some really pom- promising young players on both sides of the ball, but I think that um, there's no I don't believe there's any incentive for them to be good this year because I don't think they're gonna be that good i think you're gonna have to unless if you if you draft your quarterback and even then i mean you don't i don't want to play our quarterback like right right out of the gate that's how it works now though Yeah, i don't want to do that though this, i mean yeah. i think I mean, uh, on this team's timetable i don't think that has to happen i mean i you see and i think the teams you do see doing that are teams that kind of force their own hand without even knowing it. And you think about like Arizona last year. Did you think that Sam Bradford was going to hold up an entire season and Josh Rosen was going to be able to hang back? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think the tough part here is the second that word, because I don't think Greer nor anybody in the organization ever said tank. Did they? Armando said tank. Yeah. Armando, Armando is definitely the guy who's getting paid every time it says tank. See, and that's the problem, because Armando is an idiot. Um, I don't know if that's kosher since we we do this technically with the Finsider, but he's an idiot. Um, and, like, people correlate tanking to NBA tanking, where in the NFL that's just not possible because, one, there's not as many games, um, and there's not guaranteed contracts, and there's none of that kind of stuff. But on top of that, too... Football is just a different, more physical sport. Like, you can't play halfway. Like, I mean, I'm going to assume that most people that listen to this podcast played football at some point growing up. And, like, if you're playing tackle football and you're going even 95% and the other guy's still going 100, like, that's how you get hurt. Um, So nobody's going to play at 95% or, you know, tanking at 60%. Um, I think... I think the difference between tanking and committing to a rebuild is relatively small. Um, It's probably the same concept in the NFL. Um, 
but I think I think the Dolphins are finally committing to a rebuild and not okay. We're halfway to rebuild. We're halfway to the playoffs. Let's get back to eight and eight. Um, Let's go so try to win games. Tank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to tank, but I think that they're not going to spend a lot in free agency. I think they may bring in one or two bigger name guys, um, and they even won't be huge names. I think the biggest guy that they might target is Trey Flowers if he walks. Right. Um, and that's that's more or less from the their Brian Flores connection. But I mean, like I could see them signing a bunch of dudes on one year deals, like. Robert Kimdichi, um, a Danny Shelton, like, uh, or a Malcolm Brown from the Pats. You know, a bunch of these guys where they will fill a need, they'll fill some depth, um, they'll get a chance to play themselves into a contract for 2020. Um, but they're going to come into Miami on the cheap, so Miami can start stockpiling for you know a year, two years from now, and they go into free agency with a uh, hundred mil to 120 mil in, in cap. And then they they go to town. Um, but I tank was just the worst word to throw out there because it it just makes zero sense and it doesn't do anything or create a viable conversation within the community. Oh man, Kim DJ and uh, Shelton are all guys we wanted to draft or we were interested in drafting. So that's <laughs> hell yeah, funny how that works. Okay, so I'll ask this question, then we can kind of move off this topic. So I've seen the kind of the the obvious comparison. Or the inevitable comparison of who do you like more as a prospect, Kyler Murray to a Tagovailoa? That's tough. I have a a weird thing where I am struggling to buy into Tua. Um, I think he does everything really well, but he also plays for Bama. And so we've seen Bama win national championships with like scrubs. Like they'd be better off with you as their quarterback for some of these national championship runs. Like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it's hard to buy, and I I have to go back and watch more Bama games because Bama I tend not to watch because you know the outcome. Um, but I need to go back and watch. Did he? win them any games and or were there any games where he had to be leaned on to make any plays outside of that championship halftime coming in crazy fourth down and 800 miles touchdown throw right. um but you know but you can go back to every quarterback prospect and every quarterback prospect has at least one crazy throw on tape so i need to go back and look more um but i mean that's the same thing for like i i, I say i like from too um, but I mean, I, I've started to go back and watch Fromm, and Fromm was like a a, a checkdown master at points. Yeah. Um, there's times where he's like, "Oh, nothing checkdown." Um, doesn't even go through a second read. Um, I don't like Herbert at all. Um, I, I will go on the record and say I want nothing to do with Justin Herbert. You know. Um, so, I, and we haven't seen um, what's his name, Jacob Eason, yeah. in a whole year. So, I mean, those are probably your top four guys for next year's draft class. And while I think straight out the box, it's a better draft class for quarterback than this one, um, I think there is just as as much potential and upside. The floors just worry more me more in this uh, draft class. Intriguing. A couple of things about that. Uh, that, what was that, fourth and... 
what was that? Or not fourth? Uh, was that second and twenty six or twenty three or something? Yeah, it, it was a stupid distance in overtime. And there. Georgia went man to man on that. That's how, yeah. that's how they got roasted on that. Uh, it was essentially just a. I, I don't know if they just hit him with the double move or what. I forget. But yeah, they scorched him with that. And now Mel Tucker is the. Uh, he's doing that out in Colorado. Uh, there's a couple of things that I agree that are going to cover up some of the, the two awards. Uh, number one is the fact that the offensive line typically plays really well. And number two is the fact that his receiver group is absolutely disgusting right now. And I mean, like, I mean, they, none of them are really big bodies or anything. I don't even know what's the biggest guy in that group. Six, one, six, two, maybe outside, outside yeah, the tight end. Yeah. So, cause they always have enormous, just absolutely massive tight ends. But like Jerry Judy's six one, I think. So some of the other guys I think yeah. are, are smaller. But that's you know, they've rolled out that that size mold for receiver and essentially skill set the last few times over with guys like, you know, you think about like Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's built that way. Um yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean Calvin Ridley. So I mean you guess mm-hmm. the guys coming out, I mean like they all and those dudes are all six one, six foot somewhere around there. So but I mean like they're all for the most part strong i mean especially calvin really like strong route runners very quick getting in and out of their breaks i know that people thought amari cooper was going to bring a little bit in terms of um the uh the jump ball like the contested catches so i don't know but anyway so that's kind of bama's thing it seems you know they've gotten away a little bit from the julio type guys that they had earlier on so but i'm sure if they here's here's a more interesting quarterback question for you if Jalen Hurts goes to Oklahoma, has the same kind of production as Baker and Murray, um, you can say is a Heisman finalist, maybe not wins a Heisman because three in a row would be insane. Where does he get drafted? Oh, man. I'm not a big fan of his game. Right? I mean, the thing about it... It's interesting, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think that he can throw with any touch whatsoever. I think he's got a blaster cannon for an arm. I remember one game, I forget. Um, it might have been like some just like throwaway play in the um, the game, the last game they lost to Clemson when they played in Tampa in the national championship. And on like some throwaway play, he threw the ball like an absolute mile. And I remember laughing at the time and, and texting my one friend who was also watching the game. I was like, this dude has just insane arm strength and no idea of how to like put it in like tight windows or anything. So, um, and I mean, he, he's, uh, he's a strong runner. I mean, that's the thing. Like, not only is he quick, but like, he's a strong, like he's tough to bring down. I mean, like, he's not just a, a guy you're going to get on like an ankle tackle or something. I mean, like he's, or like an arm tackle. He's tough to get. So, I mean, like he's, I mean, I, I remind you, Tim Tebow was drafted in the first round. Yeah. And what's the difference between Hertz and Tebow? Uh, I actually, I would actually say that I think Tebow is a better thrower than uh, than Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has a way stronger arm, but I mean, like, there's times where Tim Tebow made good throws in college in, in that national championship game against Oklahoma. He had a couple of, like, really tight window passes. I think he was, I mean, he was getting them to Aaron Hernandez on a couple of them. He had some good throws in that game. But also, I mean, that... 
But is there, a dra- is there anybody at Bama that can really develop a quarterback? Have we ever actually seen anybody there develop a quarterback and make them better? No, I think Tua is just a, a talented kid. I, I don't I don't see them yeah. building them up from the ground up or anything. Um, so what if what if Lincoln Riley cleans up some of his stuff, teaches them how to throw with a little touch? You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to to push a crazy Jalen Hurts situation or anything, but you know. Um, I think he's probably the most interesting guy going into this next year. If that happened and Lincoln Riley pulled that off, then he needs to be working in the NFL as some sort of quarterback whisperer because that is miracle work, in my opinion. If, yeah. he, if he pulls that off, if he has that dude like humming at a certain rate where he's a legitimate <laughs> like NFL uh, prospect, then yeah, dude. I mean, like he, that's that's saint work. That's insane. So anything can happen. I think Lincoln Riley is if anyone could do it, it would be him. I think he's really impressive. I think he's a very progressive offensive mind, but he's also really good at finding relatable things with his quarterback. And I mean, like and he's flexible, too. I mean, like, I mean, there's certain things that he wants from his quarterback, but he's not going to force a square peg into a round hole or whatever cliche you want to throw in there. So, but that would be insane. That absolutely insane. And I um, mind you, that Tim Tebow pick is essentially what got Josh Mishandles fired. So, because yep. I think they also took Demarius Thomas in that draft. No, that pick worked out a little bit better. So, and it's insane to say that because Tim Tebow won a playoff game for them. You know, so it's just it's just funny that I mean, pe- you're, people will still look back on that era and they're just like, yeah, man, how did that happen? So, um. This is probably a good place to to call it unless there's anything else that you want to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, I guess the next thing coming up is the combine. Um, yeah. Again, no, it'll be yeah. all eyes on Kyler Murray there. Yeah, a lot of people think. I saw the, will he run a sub 4340? I was like, whoa, that escalated quickly. So, I mean, he he can probably hop and skip to a, a 4-5 something, Yeah, um, if not less. Oh, man. Did you see the exploding shoe last night? Oh my god, that was that was devastating. Um, did you see that Nike stocks actually yeah. went down from that? It did. That's the crazy thing. I'm not surprised. Um, I guess we can end on this no. note because I'm so, I am obsessed. I always have been obsessed with uh, sports footwear. I remember just being a kid and reading uh, East Bay catalogs and everything, and just loving it. So I mean, I, I'm all about this. I'm all right. So. Full disclosure, I'm not a big fan of Nike. I never have been. Thank God they're not a sponsor. Um, and it's a whole story I'll get into at some other point. So it stems from childhood. It's a really weird, weird situation, but it kind of uh, formed my opinion on them. But so the thing is, like, you have Zion Williamson, who is easily the most hyped prospect since LeBron James. It's not close. And you have a bunch of people who are a companies that are going to be vying for his shoe contract because Puma got in the, back in the game last year. So it's not just going to come down to Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. Like you got a fourth player in there. And oh, by the way, Puma snagged the top two guys last year. In addition to they got Michael Porter yep. Jr. I think they got like Zaire Smith and some other, some other guys in there. They got Terry Rozier in there now too. So <clears throat> all that's to say that, I mean, there's, it's a, a more wide open field than it has been. And then if you're Nike, you are you've been sponsoring Duke since what, like 1992 or something. It's some long, definitely, definitely a long time, long running partnership that they have going on there. And then 
you get what what happened last night, which is, I mean, that shoe literally the side of it just exploded. I mean, I did that to like a yeah. pair of British Knights when I was like six years old, but it's because my shoe was like, or my <laughs> foot was too big for it. So if you're Nike, you know the the trend is the kids who play college basketball more often than not will gravitate toward the the brand that uh sponsored their college team like you always see like kansas kids tend to lean toward adidas like you've seen that before even though josh jackson a couple years ago went with under armor so i mean there are uh, examples of someone going against the going against type so that was that was a bad deal for nike last night and i some guy at work was talking about how he thinks it's a conspiracy theory and how they're going to come up use this to come up with like a zion shoe you didn't have to almost shred his knee to do that. He's going to get his own yeah, shoe anyway. Yeah, no, no. Like people like, I- and I mean, on top of that, on t- on top of that, um, I don't know if you saw, but you know how Nike has those, uh, what are they called? The Adapt BB shoes that you can like lace up with a smartphone app. Yeah, those are now thrashed, and like none of them work because they updated the app, and it just like refuses to do anything. So like they're they're doubling down hard this week. I, apparently, people are worried about their shoes getting hacked. You know that's like a, a real yeah. thing now. So I don't know. I'm fascinated by sports footwear. Uh, bat, is, I've got this whole thing, and you know, it's kind of a a weird time for basketball footwear because they I think they had like peak sales in 2015, and then we're down considerably two years later in 2017. And the reason for that is. I think less than 30% of people who buy basketball shoes are actually going to wear them for sport. Most people wear them, you know, as like fashion, like most people who buy Air Jordans are not going to go, you know, going to go hoop in them on Saturday and Sunday or whenever they're off work at the gym or something like they're going to wear them with jeans. They're going to wear them when they go out. So now it turns into a thing where these teams and you're seeing that's why, in my opinion, you're seeing a lot of these uh, basketball shoes. They have like knit uppers now. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah, I've seen those. It's funny. It almost looks like a sweater for your foot at times, but that's like what people are into right now. Like Puma kind of did that when they brought back those Clydes last year, the Clyde Court, I think. And like, you know, uh, DeAndre Ayton and uh, Melvin Bagley, or Marvin Bagley, excuse me, um, are using those shoes. I mean, I thought they looked really cool. I saw some people kind of give them some shade, but I thought they were cool. But anyway, so it's become a moment where people or in the this industry are like, well, how do we market shoes that athletes want to wear and people want to buy to add to their wardrobe? Which makes sense. You had to figure it was going to come to that at some point. So I don't know. But I mean, I kind of got off on a tangent here. But yeah, so all with this exploding shoe, Nike stock is down. He was wearing the Paul George model. Apparently, Paul, I, I read that Paul George is not stoked about the fact that his shoe is the one that detonated and, you know, om, almost uh, uh, cut um, Zion Williamson's uh, season short if he doesn't. And some people think he should just sit out the rest of the year now. Which Heck is, yeah. Which is funny, too, because, I mean, this, I mean, even if they make a tournament run, I mean, the season's over in six weeks anyway. So, I mean, yep. like you made it this far. I mean, like, you know, you've played what close to 30 games already. So, yep. Um, yeah. 
it's just interesting that you made it this far and all of a sudden a lot of people are like dude just sit it out sit down which i mean like i get i mean you're gonna be the number one pick i mean you're gonna become a you are about to become the a, the face of a brand so interesting stuff and it's just funny how when i saw that last night i was like oh man i hope he's okay and it sounds like it's just a mild sprain which is good yeah for sure well, relatively speaking it's good i mean it could have it looked like it could have been so much worse but then you start to think and you're like oh man if you're nike though and like right now you're the brand that almost killed him so weird weird times anyway we can end on that note yeah we'll make our we'll make our 45 minutes for once no we're at 41 16 we're gonna get under so and we could have shut this down at 35 don't forget that so but we decided to keep talking because we like the sounds of our voices so thanks to everyone for tuning in listening to us to talk about the dolphins talk about the nfl talk about kyler murray talk about basketball shoes because we like that stuff too and we're selfish so it's about what we want not always what you want uh for zach my name is keith thanks for tuning in it's cool spending some time with you guys and we'll do it again next week we will not take next week off i promise So uh, have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. What once seemed improbable is happening now. Insurance is front and center for tech companies who are finally commanding the space they occupy in every other industry. Behind the disruption is Cover Genius, the insure tech for embedded insurance that protects customers of the world's largest digital companies. Available at Amazon, Intuit, Flipkart, eBay, Booking.com, Skyscanner, Ryanair, and Southeast Asia's largest company, Shopee. Cover Genius's platform makes it easy for their global partners to embed insurance and warranty bundles, and especially rundles within their booking path or signup, connecting customers with the protection they need. And with global licensing and end-to-end capabilities across all industries, from property to travel, fintech, logistics, the gig economy, and retail, CoverGenius can build and distribute any kind of insurance and process claims in all 50 states and in more than 60 countries, all through a single integration. Because your customers are at the center of everything, CoverGenius pays claims instantly and maintains an NPS of 65 plus, the highest in an industry where traditional insurers rely on paper forms, missed calls, and mailed checks to deliver NPS below zero. Give your customers the peace of mind they deserve. Visit CoverGenius.com slash Vox today to learn more. CoverGenius, the insure tech for embedded insurance.